You're listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Don't be a juice bag. We a refuge for great geeks, cause round here we don't get geek. We don't care for the hate speech, that's why we ain't mainstream. So we linked up on the same team, no heights we can't reach. We are fan, we're hard truth. If you feel the same, sing along too. Say great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge, great geek, great geek, refuge, refuge. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. Don't be a juice bag, cause round here we don't do that. It's like, yeah, no, action news. And now, your host, Mike Lutzer. I'm totally going to use that, too. (laughs) Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of At The Diner, the flagship podcast for The Great Geek Refuge. My name is Mike Lunsford. I am your host for our podcasting festivities, but I am joined by two awesome co-hosts, and we have a frequent guest that I am glad is back for another episode. Uh, joining me in co-host seat number one, you know him, you love him. He is a wonderfully talented musician. You can check out his stuff on Bandcamp, but also he has an episode of The Overflow that you can check out. He also has an episode of GGR Postgame, which is our sports podcast that you can check out as well. His name is MC Brooks. Did you guys know that The Rock and Shawn Michaels never wrestled? I didn't know that. They never wrestled? I yeah. was not aware of that. Yeah, I've been I, I've been binge, I've been binging a ton of uh, Attitude Era stuff. They never wrestled and apparently uh Rock did not like him very much. Which oh no, is why, which is from why what I've uh, heard he was a piece of shit like from what I've heard. Yeah, like cuz I saw this thing and apparently like apparently like uh Shawn Michaels came to like where the like um, uh, where the Rock's family was, like they did an event for him when the Rock was like super young. And yeah. Apparently, Shawn Michaels disrespected his grandmother, and from that moment on, he was like, he just didn't want, he never wanted to work with them. That's just what funny. That hell, sounds man? like that sounds like something that would actually be like in character. Like that's not even like it sounds like that would happen. Like oh, you disrespected my grandmother, so now we have to fight for the title, kind of thing. Yeah, it sounds like a like a WWE plot. Yeah. And the fact that this dude is just enough of himself in character. Ugh, what a dickhead. Yeah. From what I've heard, he's he's that's him though. Like, um I, I got to see um I can't remember what there was a pay per view in DC and we got to see it and it was Hulk Hogan versus Shawn Michaels. And like I remember watching that that match and being like, this is really over the top. Like Shawn Michaels is like, he was overselling like basically every single move that came against him uh, by Hulk Hogan. And it turns out he was doing that because he was mad because Hulk Hogan, basically he's Hulk Hogan. And he got to kind of like, like overrule who was going to win the match. And he got really, really upset because of that. And he was like, yeah. A thing oh. like that happened with uh, with The Rock also, and actually Brett uh, Bret Hart wrote about it in um, in um, his uh, in his in his book talking about his wrestling days. That uh, like apparently Shawn Michaels and Triple H were, were actively trying to sabotage The Rock when he was like f- when he first like what got hell, to WWE. Man. Oh yeah, no, and- the whole like Degeneration X thing, like that was them. They were pulling the strings behind the scenes all the time. 
Yeah, they were called, I think they were called the Click, is what they called themselves. Mm -hmm. And it was basically like him and uh, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, um, Triple H. Yeah, they basically, and yeah, Shawn Michaels. And they basically just like, they made decisions about what was going to happen. And like, once Triple H became uh, part of the family, basically, when he married Stephanie uh, McMahon, every, like a lot of people got really pissed. They were like, we're never going to have a chance now because of this. A bunch of assholes. Basically. Yeah, I've, I've heard that Shawn Michaels is just like a total douche. Was it, I think he's a friend of yours, uh, Rambo. We had somebody on that was a huge wrestling fan at one point. Um, I think it was Lan Pitts is the guy's name? Uh, yeah, oh, yeah. yeah you, you interviewed uh, Lan, yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah, no, it was me and MC. Yeah, me, yeah. MC, yeah, yeah, we, yeah. we interviewed him because Ram, Rambo, you were like, ah, I'm not a really big wrestling person. But... I was. I, I generally don't like you guys. Yeah. <laughs> Anywho. Um, <laughs> I just realized that we're in the middle of introductions here. Um, <laughs> Sorry about that. I got distracted by wrestling. It happened. Um, in podcast number two, um, he's already spoken on this, so you've heard him. You know he's here this time. He is a wonderfully talented visual artist. He is also incredibly knowledgeable about all things nerdy, geeky, movies, television, um, so much so that we have dubbed him the professor here at The Great Geek Refuge. His name is James Rambo. I know some things about some stuff, and if I say it confidently, people think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> it, is, it is a serious problem. <laughs> I, For who? <laughs> it, I run into it as well, because there is it's a story that has taken on legendary status uh, at my workplace. When I first started working there, there was a guy uh, named Cody. Cody's wife. Chelsea writes for us at the Great Geek Refuge, but I've been friends with Cody for over a decade now. And what we would do is, is when we first started working there, uh, after work, we would all go grab like dinner and stuff like that. So we would go to like Waffle House or Taco Bell or whatever. And we went to Taco Bell one night and Cody, bless his heart, he's, he's from Kentucky. He's just a, a, a good old boy through and through, just nicest dude on the face of the planet. He, he's sitting there as we're eating our tacos and he's like, man, I wonder how they came up with the name Taco Bell. And me being the bullshit artist that I am, I was like, oh yeah, actually, it turns out that there was this uh, this monk in Mexico, and uh, he worked <laughs> in an orphanage, and uh, he would make tacos for the for the children. And what he would do is, is he would ring this bell, the Taco Bell, anytime the tacos were ready to let them know they were ready. And he's like, man, Mike, that's an amazing story. And I was like, dude, that's total bullshit. The guy who made Taco Bell, his last name is Bell. And he's like, oh man, you got me going. That was a good story, though. I am a liar. You ought to be on truth and truth or consequences, man. Because <laughs> that's a believable story, a liar's club or whatever. It's like. <laughs> it's one of my favorite stories because just like some people would be like, I can't believe you lied to me about that. Cody was just like, ha, you got me, man. That was good. <laughs> <laughs> You gotta love those Kentucky boys. <laughs> yeah, dude. Yeah. Um, so yeah, let's talk about the Batman. Uh, um, I think you forgot to introduce somebody. <laughs> <laughs> I was going. Geez. I had a plan. <laughs> that was. Oh, that was. So I, I was like, wait, did, well did, did, did I did uh, I like forget that I was no, introduced? There was literally, <laughs> there was literally a plan for this. But MC, I am very appreciative that you were concerned <sighs> that I would have forgotten Yuli. But the plan was this: let's talk about the Batman. And the reason why I say this first is because maybe you heard it. We made a point of making sure that it was released the day that it came out, the day that the reviews were allowed to come out. This guy we know. 
you know, it's kind of a big deal. His name is Ulysses E. Campbell. He got to watch this movie before anybody else did, and he had a review up and ready to go. So we have him today. He is a GGR favorite. I'm so glad that he's back. You can catch him on Fantastic Forum, which is on Friday, uh, not Fridays, Saturdays. That's today. Saturday at 4 p.m. on WERA-FM. So if you go to WERA.FM to listen to it, you can check it out at 4 p.m. on Saturdays. But also, too, it's available as a podcast right here on The Great Geek Refuge. You know him. You love him. His name is Ulysses E. Campbell. Why, thank you, Mike. Oh, you even turned on the radio voice. (laughs) Well, after that glowing, absolutely wonderful introduction, how could I do anything else? I'm going to have to talk like this for the rest of the show. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, if you have to. No, but seriously, it is just a delight to be able to join you guys. Uh, You are really three of my favorite people. And so knowledgeable and fun and just fun to talk to and fun to be around. So I appreciate being a part of what you have going today. Well, thank you, Mr. Campbell. I appreciate the uh, appreciation. So that being said, let's jump right into this. Um, I want to kick this off because I, I can't think of a movie that has come out in recent years that's a superhero f- uh, film that was this universally liked. I mean, there, there've been some of course, but like there's a joke going around right now where the only person I've seen really like shit on this movie is Ben Shapiro. And like, if Ben Shapiro hates it, it's probably good. It's kind of like the, <laughs> the, the, the general consensus here, but like, and like that, that's the other thing too, is I didn't even in reading his critique and listening to his critique, he didn't have anything of substance. It was all this like right wing, uh, oh, well, it's just wokeism, and it's uh, uh, the, they hate Batman. Just watch this movie, and you can tell that they hate Batman. Like, none of it was even accurate. It had no basis in reality. But not only that, too, I mean, which, if you know anything about Ben Shapiro, you know this to be a, a fact. Like, he didn't back up any of his statements. There was no evidence to, like, corroborate what he actually had to say. And, like, I everybody that I know and respect when it comes to film— has has universally loved this movie. Um, I I don't even know where to start. This movie was I enjoyed this so very much. Like we talked about it in our uh, our cold open. So if you want to hear that, you know, go to Patreon.com, go to Great Geek Refuge, search us, and you can subscribe as well, and you can become a patron and listen to some of these exclusive conversations. But like a movie that I was this enthralled with, where after I'm done watching it, I was like, oh, I gotta get the soundtrack. Oh, I gotta find out more. Oh, I got to go to that website at the end of the movie. Oh, man, I got to do all this stuff. Like, it's been a long time since I've had that level of excitement and interest in a film. Like, Matt Reeves, just a, just applause around everything for this movie. Everything about this movie was well-crafted, meticulously laid out and planned out. Like, I don't have any fault in it. There's one thing I'm a little like, was this necessary? We'll talk about that in detail in a little bit. But uh, of... The rest of y'all, you guys are always so much better about analyzing these things because I get all emotional about movies and I'm like, oh, it was great. It was exciting. I fucking loved it. And then, like, I love hearing all of the analysis that you have. So, Yuli, I want to start with you since you're our guest and then we'll go to uh, we'll go to um, Mr. Rambo, the professor, and then we'll go to MC. But, like, give me kind of your takes on this, like the things that you liked, the things that you didn't like about this movie. Uh, and we'll we'll start from there. Well, uh, I mostly liked 
uh, everything about it. I mean, you know, generally, I've, I mean, and it's not really nitpicking, but um, one of the things that I look at in terms of comic book movie adaptations is how closely the character resembles what is drawn in the comic book. And at least in that regard, Batman has been messed up <laughs> from virtually from the very beginning. You know, when um, in the Tim Burton movies, they put him in the all black costume. I mean, yeah, come on. He's got great tights, you know, blue uh, accents. And so that part has bothered me. I mean, not so much as to detract from the overall picture, but I mean, if we're, uh, uh, this is an effort me trying to find something that I didn't like about the movie. So, um, yeah, I mean, uh, eh, and, but I'll tell you what, I didn't think I was going to like the collar on the back costume and it didn't bother me. I was like, yeah, you know, Hey, what the hell? I mean, it's, uh, I was kind of going with it. So, so there was that, but again, there was so much more that I liked about this movie. Notably this Batman that they showed, uh, Matt Reeves version here was a detective and the detective element is probably, well, one of the most important to the comic book character. And that's really something that has been lacking, again, pretty much since the Tim Burton movies. I mean, I remember when he had to figure out about this formula of the Jokers in terms of, you know, what cosmetic products were uh, being combined to cause fatalities. But since then, that's largely been abandoned and to the detriment of the character. And so for them to have revisited that and to have made it a central element of the film, I think is really huge because, you know, there's a whole generation of people out there who just think that Batman is some kind of brawler, you know, as opposed to a detective and scientist, which is easily 60 to 70% of the character. I mean, not that the fighting is, is being minimized, but you know, this is a, this is a thinking man's guy, you know, which is how you can have a normal human, you know, who is rubbing elbows with virtual gods from the planet Krypton. So there was that. Um, I also thought that the performances were really excellent. I mean, everybody who was cast was really, really good in their roles. And uh, Jeffrey Wright, I'm going to single out because Ordinarily, I'm not a big fan of the whole race gender swap thing for these characters, uh, but I, I, hey, all right, so Commissioner Gordon's black. Okay, fine. I mean, I was, <laughs> I was going right with it. And even though I already knew going in what a fabulous actor Jeffrey Wright is, I was still extremely impressed by his performance. I mean, again, not that Jim Gordon is going to be the most demanding role, but he really sold it. He made me believe it. Also, Zoe Kravitz and Catwoman. I mean, you know, because going back to Julie Newmar, I mean, Catwoman has been done a number of times, but Julie Newmar, you know, Lee Merriweather, you know, you go on to the uh, the cartoons and, you know, then Michelle Pfeiffer's performance and, you know, the, the uh, Nolan movies and all that, you know. But I'll tell you what, Zoe Kravitz really did something unique with this role. And there was an intensity to her performance. And uh, I, 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 what can I 
tell you, I was I was really blown away by her, too. So, I mean, th those are just a few things that really stood out for me in terms of this movie. Um, you know, to say nothing of, uh, you know, Michael Cimino's haunting score. And I, I was really I noted, Mike, when you mentioned that after seeing the movie, you're thinking about the soundtrack and all that. And, you know, for some people, the soundtrack is kind of superfluous or, you know, yeah, it set the tone. But and if it's if if the composer is doing their job, it, it, you feel a certain way, but maybe you're not cognizant of it or, you know, you don't necessarily think about it. But I thought he really did a, a great job in terms of the compositions and setting the tone, the mood for the film and something that you might be interested in downloading, uh, listening to later. So, you know, all those elements I thought were really outstanding and have contributed directly to the very favorable responses that people have been giving this movie. I, I typically, when I think of movie soundtracks and scores, like I, I really look back on like, who are the who are the, the big names? And and most of them that I name have been around for a really, really long time. And I'm like, why are there not any new like movie composers? And then uh, is I, I, I might have mispronounced his name. You said is Giacchino? Uh, I believe that's how it's pronounced. Yeah. Michael Giacchino has he did the JJ Abrams Star Trek movies, which had a fantastic score. He did uh, Rogue One. He's done a lot of really, really good ones, and he just hit it out of the park with the Batman. Like He's it's the first time like I've actually been like, OK, so there are some other composers other than just like the same people that always show up. And like it's it's kind of cool to see that there's some new blood, essentially. But um, I wanted to point out something, too. Um, It, it keeps reminding me and Rambo, goddamn you, like you were so dead on right about this, that like if you look back on these directors who have directed the other Batman movies, like, if you look at Tim Burton, yeah, Tim Burton's a great director, but he's not a horror director. And, like, he did things about the character where you could – he's doing that thing where we talked about where horror directors are like, yeah, you know what? This is what it is. And they don't, like, do the whole wink at the camera thing. They don't do the whole, like, well, you know, but that's not believable. Like, Matt Reeves is a horror director. He was like, yeah, no, this is the way it needs to be. Yeah, nope, this is believable. This is what it is. This is the character. And didn't shy away from that. Because it's almost like a lot of directors are like, well, you know, a scientist, that's not believable. But, you know, we can make him a fucking ninja. Make Batman a ninja. That'll be dope. And, like, that's, that's completely believable. But a scientist? Nah, you can't have a guy. Guys aren't scientists. No, scientists are nerds. Like, it was really, really cool seeing that aspect of the character because it had been missing. Um, Rambo, what say you about the Batman? Um... I, I will I will add the addendum to uh, to horror directors, sci-fi directors as well. Um, people yep. essentially, it's anyone who tackles a project that requires uh, a distinct level of unreality, um, something that even if it's you know quote unquote grounded in reality has some kind of like supernatural element to it, something that is dis decidedly not uh, normal. Um, because those kind of people, like you said, you cannot wink at the camera. You have to just commit and like, yes, this is the reality of this situation um, uh, uh, as it's being presented to you. Uh, that is incredibly important, and um, a lot of people just don't just don't get it. 
they when they don't you get again you get things like you know wolverine uh, or cyclops making the, the the crack about yellow spandex and x-men um yeah i mean i've seen it twice so uh <laughs> it's you just hate watching it though right the, oh yeah it was the worst um i i will say uh you are ever the optimist mike um i have seen so many nerds mad about this movie uh, and <laughs> specifically upset about what I find to be very surprising. One of the things that I would not have expected at all them to be mad about is the lack of Playboy Bruce Wayne. What? And I'm like, hold on, hold on. That is what's that's what's tripping you up. He needs to be banging broads because who doesn't want to be? Ba- Come on, man. <laughs> I I. I'm so genuinely just like dumbfounded by that being the 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 roadblock for them. Um, but whatever. I'm I'm. It's a it's a shame that they're sad. Uh, yeah, all the performances are phenomenal across the board. Um, I am someone who usually bulks very quickly at a fat suit. Um, Colin Farrell is absolutely incredible. Um, the makeup, if they do not win an Oscar for makeup, that fucking makeup design and application is incredible. Um, he looks like a completely different person. Uh, and not like in the way of like, oh yeah, but you can see that there's someone where, like you look at him and you don't think that's someone in a costume. I had no idea it was Colin Farrell. Like- I, until, second, yeah, until people started saying, like, oh, yeah, that's Colin Farrell, you know? The second time I watched it, I watched it with my friend Meg, and, and she was like, so who played the Penguin? I said, Colin Farrell. She's like, no. <laughs> I, like, genuinely didn't know going into it and was still, like, shocked by it by, uh, at the end of the uh, end of the movie. Um, it... They're the only other movie that I've seen really come close to uh, capturing the the sort of like horror movie element um, of Batman is there's the, this, there's a sequence in Batman Begins when they're at the the shipping yard or the, the, oh. the dock. Um, yeah. Okay. And and Batman is is prowling around uh, and there's you know there's the guy walking around with a gun and you know like where are you? Um, and then Batman appears. Um, yeah, I think like a guy gets like sucked into a, a shipping container as well. Um, and that is very good. That is very good. But the opening sequence of this movie, where you get the voiceover from Bruce and he's he's talking about you know the nature of the signal and like what what the mission is, how the mission has been going and what it's like and um, and how he has to be very careful about like he, like picking his targets. Um, you know, because I can't be everywhere. And for me, I I hear that, and and in my head, the next line is, "But I'm always somewhere." And you get this image, you get this 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 imagery of, um, you know, people committing crimes around Gotham, and it's three different groups, um, and each of them sees the bat signal. And then becomes intimately aware, instantaneously, of the heavy shadows around them, and the fact that they are not fully aware of their surroundings. Um, 
And it's just this sort of omnipresent boogeyman thing uh, that you get from uh, uh, from the angle of, of the criminals and, you know, them being a cowardly and superstitious lot. Um, they, you know, some of them are just like, yeah, I'm going to stop what I'm doing right now. And, and just like, all acts away. It's not worth it. It's not really worth it. Um, but yeah, like, I don't know, are, how are, are we doing the sort of like general here's how I feel when we're going into it a little more later? Yes, exactly. Like this is okay. like the, fir the first layer and then we'll get okay. into the second layer. Okay. Here. So, hey, hey and, Mike, uh, yeah. can I just, there are a couple of things that I'd wanted to throw in of um, course. based on what uh, Rambo had just said. And uh, I appreciate uh, your comments about this, this fan reaction. And I'm, I'm surprised because it's like the fans didn't realize that this was proto Batman, you know, he isn't, he hasn't figured out about using mm -hmm. the Bruce Wayne persona to further his campaign. You know, I mean, Bruce Wayne is an irritant to him right now. He's like, I don't want to be this guy. I want to be in the costume. You know, mm -hmm. I'm not going to be Bruce Wayne unless I have to. So, you know, and it's just a shame that, um, you know, people haven't figured that out. It's, so, uh, you, you know what, though? Honestly, like, it's not surprising because it's the same problem that we've had with other characters, too, where people just don't understand the character. And, like, they think that that's – they've seen one depiction of it and think that that needs to be all of them. And they're not reading the source material. They're not understanding the why. And I think that that's, that's a big part of it, too, is yeah. they don't understand why he's doing what he's doing. Well, and this is still – because, I mean, and correct me if I'm wrong, because, I mean, especially folks who've seen this more than twice or, or twice, because I, like I I've only seen it the one time. But they specifically say this is like the second year that he's been doing it's this. Been two years. He's, yeah, exactly. He's still new to the game, you know? I mm -hmm. mean, figuring out – I mean, he's got the whole, yes, I need to dress as a bat. He got that part, you know, but I've been able to make friends with this guy on the police force who's working with me, you know, but the rest of it, he's still figuring out. And in fact, well, I'll, I'll hold on to that because I if if Matt Reeves is smart in terms of the way he's going, then all of that, the fact that this is proto Batman will be meaningful as they develop the character more, because even if you have uh, familiarity with the. Uh, foundation of the source material um, you know the way he was in detective 27 versus where he got to later um, you know is I mean and it's important and it's it's the the evolution of the character you know anyway so well just to the, throw that in there the first interaction that Alfred and Bruce have is Alfred is Bruce Wayne blowing off uh, and and like hand waving the idea that he should have to do anything as Bruce Wayne. Mm -hmm. Like that, it's, it's the fucking arc of the character. And, <laughs> like, <laughs> God damn it, <laughs> like, Rambo! Why watch? can't they be fully fleshed out in the beginning? We just want uh, the action. We don't we don't want to see them grow. Why can't it just be a montage of Batman punching people in the face? Like, well, we can't do that. <laughs> Jeez. I mean, that is a thing that could happen. Like, I, whatever. I, <laughs> I hope they find something to do that isn't watching this movie over and over again. Uh, or fuck them. Watch it again. I don't care. <laughs> but yeah, I'm, I'm thoroughly <laughs> impressed. Um, very, very pleased with it. Uh, just, 
much like Mike said, I'm sure, and I'm sure we both have the same issue. Uh, there is one thing I would lose, uh, and you can yep. cut out that whole sequence uh, in its entirety. Um, but overall, I was really, really pleased with uh, with this movie. Yeah, a hundred percent, hundred percent, hundred percent. MC, what say you, my friend? I mean, I don't really have much to add after <laughs> after uh, Yuli and Rambo both went. Um, but I'm in the, I'm in the same boat as pretty much all of you. I absolutely loved it. This is the the Batman movie that I had been wanting for a while, and what I thought that we might have gotten if that um, that Batfleck movie had uh, had actually gotten the opportunity to uh, to be created. But um, I mean, I just, I pretty much just echo everything you know you guys said. I, I absolutely love this movie. The, the the runtime did not ruin it for me. It, it kind of breezed yeah. by without 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 me even really thinking. Oh shit! It's it's been almost it's been almost three hours that I've been watching this. Um, I mean, yeah, every, every just the entire sequence. I loved seeing the, the 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 more of the detective aspect because that was the thing that got me excited for it. You know, you know. I mean, fans you know we're doing what fans do when this movie got announced. Oh, another Batman movie. God. But then, you know, when, when Matt Reeves, when, when they said that, and I saw that Matt Reeves was like, oh, no, we're, we're going to focus a, much more on the detective. It's going to be more of a noir-style film. I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's that's different because we really haven't gotten to explore that part of Batman. Not in, um, not in the Nolan trilogy or in, like, much of the properties before it. Um, so I was very happy uh, with this movie. I want to go see it again i might ride the high seas this afternoon <laughs> and, uh, and watch it again um yeah I, I i i enjoyed it everyone's performance was 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 absolutely fantastic um you know no one really mentioned paul dano's performance but i know we'll talk about it but he, he like oh, it was, you it know was what? very unsettling dude like, there it, it, was, it was very unsettling to, to watch him and take us watch him in this movie take us to the next layer you go ahead and kick it off like go into the, the detail like the things that you really like so paul dano yeah go ahead all yours i mean it's fucking terrifying <laughs> yes. it, was, it was it was absolutely terrifying and you know, one of the things I did see people complaining about w- with this movie was that because people wanted more of the the Jim Carrey uh, version of the character or the version that we got in um, in uh, the animated the animated series where you know he's kind of more of a, a goofball um, kind of kind of character. But this version kind of reminded me a, a little bit more of like the Arkham games where. You know, it's, it's a little bit more terrifying. It's a little bit more serious, and you can tell he's like there's there's there's, there's more way more unhinged behavior, and I kind of like that take on the character. I don't I don't mind the campy goofy version too, but I'm also someone who thinks that we can. It's okay for like multiple versions of these characters to exist, and this version of Riddler is is probably probably my favorite, and I've uh I've kind of thoroughly been enjoying some of the debates that the internet has had going on in the last week about uh this uh performance of riddler versus heath ledger's uh joker performance and you know who you know who whose performance was better and i I mean i might have some recency bias so i'm not even going to to answer it because i haven't watched the 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 dark knight in a while but what you mean like who's more twisted no, well, who who gave the better performance of the character? Like, who, which character which character stood out more in in the movie? 
you know, there are some people who are like Riddler was cool, but Heath Ledger was was just that much better. And then there are t- some people who are on the on the flips on the flip side of that because you you know how you know how people are. We have to rank things, we have to compare things when things come out. And so this movie has been compared to The Dark Knight, you know, for the for the last week and a half. Um, with some people saying it's the best movie that's been that's the best Batman Batman film that we've gotten, and other people like it's up there, but not quite not quite Dark Knight. Um, wait, wait, but isn't comparing the Riddler to the Joker kind of like comparing apples to oranges? Don't you think? I would say so. I, yeah, yeah. Well, there you go. I would tend to I would tend to agree. Yeah, yeah. and I think that um, that's the other thing too. Is it's like. It's like saying somebody saying which is better, pizza or tacos. The answer is both. Like, which performance was better? They were both great. Like, it doesn't have to. Like, this is it's one of those things why I think it's so. You're you're selling things short when you rank them. This is the best, but they're different and there's nuance and there's different things going on. And it was good at the time because we'd never really gotten to see a Joker like that. For the most part, it was either the gangster Joker that we saw with Nicholson or it was the goofball Joker that we saw like performed by like Mark Hamill or Cesar Romero. So like, it's all about what you're comparing it to. I liked this Riddler personally more than any Riddler I had seen before because this was the first time that I was actually afraid of the fucking Riddler. Normally, he's just a joke. Normally, it's just like, oh, it's a dude who tells riddles. Oh, that's real fucking scary. No, this time it was. And like Jim Carrey is Jim Carrey. And those movies, again, like I said, I went and saw Batman Forever in the theaters like five times because I loved the movie so much. And it was fine. It, they're different. They can be different. And like MC was saying, I like the different aspects, that there's different versions of this. There's different types for this. Because one of the things that I really enjoyed, um, so this perfect dovetail into my point, is I love that there were echoes. There were echoes of these things that we had seen in different versions. So what I mean by that is we had seen a version of two villains we'll say and we'll talk about that reveal in a little bit but when the riddler is in arkham and he's having a conversation with that other character that reminded me of that 60s batman series when the villains would team up and they would both have their maniacal laugh but it would have that goofy music in the background and it was played for laughs because it was it was funny these these were like cartoonish characters but this time they did the exact same thing, except they both laughed and it was fucking unnerving. The fact that Matt Reeves was able to take these things that we know from years and years and years of, of consuming this this media, of, of knowing this character so very intimately, and being able to find a way to make it fucking scary was really, really cool. And I wanted, and like I had to give him props for that. Robert Pattinson was great, I thought, but I thought that honestly he was outshined by Paul Dano. Paul Dano's performance was was outstanding. It stole the show, in my opinion. Um, I want to kind of go roundtable because we'll we'll just keep doing this. Like, uh, Yuli, give me some more like detailed things, like some of the things that you really enjoyed about the movie, and then Rambo will go to you. Um. Okay, well, uh, before I do that, one thing that I just got to throw in is in terms of – oh, and don't get me wrong. I mean, well, and actually this does kind of dovetail on what you were saying because uh, Colin Farrell, I mean, you know, just to piggyback on uh, on what uh, Rambo was saying – uh, and you know, I, <laughs> he was great. <laughs> I mean, it's under all that uh, those pr- prosthetics. Although, 
Well, looking at him, I had to wonder, and you know, for those of you who aren't familiar with the actor Richard Kind, look up Richard Kind, <laughs> and it's like, okay, why didn't you just cast Richard Kind? That's in true. This role? Me and Eldon yeah. had this exact conversation when the first trailer dropped. Oh man, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not saying you're right. I'm not saying you're wrong though either, because like, I've never seen Richard Kind scary. Could he do? intimidating because i feel like he's just is like the schlub like all the time not a bad thing because he plays that part really really well but like i just couldn't see him as intimidating i mean robin williams was a funny man until he wasn't (laughs) yeah that's why you screen test people you know i mean you know let's we're gonna have richard kind in for an audition this week you know it's like let's see what he does with the material but um yeah but that aside yeah, Colin Farrell's performance was really outstanding. I mean, and to the point where they're doing a spinoff for HBO Max. The thing has just been greenlit, you know? So if you couldn't get enough of Colin Farrell in The Batman, he's got his own show coming up, you know? So there's that. But um, I, I also agree with what uh, you were saying, Mike, in terms of Paul Dano's performance as uh, as the Riddler. And I'm sorry, that, that might have been MC that was saying that, too. But because um, this both, guy both was echo scary. The sentiment, but yeah, MC kicked yeah. it off for sure. Yeah, yeah, this guy was was scary, and not that I mean, honestly, Frank Gorshin from the 1966 series is the one who stands out for me as the Riddler. Um, but because those guys, I mean, Frank Gorshin and Caesar Romero, you know, sort of established certain characterizations for those uh, Batman villains based on what was the source material that was in the comics, but. I appreciate that that stuff wasn't always scary. And and I also, reflecting back on the Batman series, the only people who died in that series were, were bad guys, you know? I mean, unlike the Gotham City of today, I mean, you didn't have innocent bystanders getting slaughtered wholesale, you know, kind of like we've seen in the more contemporary pictures. Uh, but, and it was largely played for laughs, but... You know, still, um, you know, these 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 characters, uh, despite they not necessarily being menacing, they were still dangerous. And I just you know, I needed to point that out because it wasn't it wasn't totally uh, laughing. Uh, the corruption in Gotham City in this movie is something else that I really liked, though, because, uh, you know, Gotham City is a very seedy kind of place and the fact that hey how much spoilery stuff are we doing in this are oh, we given like a like warning everything everything okay like, there'll right. be one at the beginning of the episode almost, uh, okay like, right. yeah okay no i just because if i'm because the that that is sort of the foundation of this movie <laughs> you know it's the fact that the city is corrupt and the stuff that they did with that, I, I thought was really, really good story-wise. And I've seen, uh, since the movie came out, there have been some questions about, well, how closely does this relate to um, that movie, The Joker, with, uh, you know, um, what's-his-face, uh, you know, uh, God, I can't think of the guy who played Joaquin The Joker. Joaquin Phoenix. Well, thank you, Joaquin Phoenix. And it's funny, I was thinking... River Phoenix, which was like his late brother, but yeah. Um, and a, but whether or not these two films exist in the same universe. And I was saying probably no. I mean, because the direction that they were going in for the Joker was completely different. Although 
it wouldn't bother me because one of the things that, well, one of the many things that bothered me about the Joker or Joker uh, was that um, the the revisionist stuff that they did with Thomas Wayne. And I knew some people that really thought that stuff was great. But, you know, I, I it, when it called into question in this movie who Thomas Wayne was and uh, the Andy Serkis um, uh, Alfred had to kind of square him up, you know, hey, wait a minute, who told you this shit? Oh, Falcone? Well, you know, consider the source. And let me tell you about your dad. And no, he was getting ready to go to the cops. And, you know, so I, 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 so I, I liked that. I mean, it, the, the hint that Thomas Wayne might have been involved in some of that, okay. But then it's important to clarify all that. And, you know, to Thomas Wayne was as much a victim of the corruption in Gotham City as anybody else, you know. So anyway, but I'm sorry. I'm going to let somebody else talk. <laughs> Rambo? I thought it, it, it could have been a good idea or at least really an interesting idea to explore um, the not dissimilar from uh, Killing Mockingbird versus – does it go tell a watchman or uh, what was Harper Lee's second book, the sequel to the kill oh, Mockingbird? Good gracious. Uh, wait a minute. I'll come up with that in just a second. But, but so the, you know, I, I bring that up because, you know, in, in kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Go set a watchman. Go set a watchman. Mm -hmm. We get Atticus Finch as this, you know, this very heroic white man who's standing up for, uh, for this black man in court. And then in Ghost of the Watchmen, you get to see Scout looking at her father through adult eyes and seeing that he is still very much a racist and uh, a very much an imperfect person. And the idea of playing with, you know, um, what does, what, what is a child's view of their father versus what is an adult's view of their father? Um, I thought that could be really interesting. Uh, I'm not upset with what they did, but, uh, but yeah, also important to note, like, you know, like you said, who's the one who gave you this information? Oh, the career gangster and murderer. Yeah. Maybe that's not the one to listen to. Maybe we shouldn't be looking to bill to give us our explanation of who Superman is. Um, I have never failed to be surprised when I talk to people who were like, Oh man, and kill bill. When Bill's talking about who Superman really is, I always thought that made the most sense. You mean the villain? The <laughs> the the antagonist of the entire two series of like, <laughs> movies? You think the bad guy has a point there? Um But yeah, there's there are there are two things in particular that really stand out to me um in terms of the the <sighs> This movie could have very easily just been a sort of by the numbers, uh, uh, you know, fairly straightforward adaptation of, uh, you know, pick a comic um, and worked like, you know, most of the Batman stories we've gotten so far have not been ter terribly deep, um, have not been um, designed to be especially uh uh, clever or interesting in their construction, and, and I, I don't say that as a, a uh, an insult to them. More as like they're, you know, it was people doing the job. 
And with this movie, there are there are multiple instances of um, really significant symbolism, um, and uh, really, in some places, very disturbing uh, callbacks to reality. Um, with Paul uh, Paul Dino, his performance overall, you know, he's doing you know most of what we see him through is is through like FaceTime imagery and and videos and streaming. Um, and he's putting on a performance, like not just not the actor as the character, but the character as a character. Um, he's really leaning into the theatricality of it. Uh, and there's a there's a little bit of Frank Gorshin in uh, um, the uh, uh, the FaceTime video with Colson when they're in the church. Um, like he has that sort of like that same kind of manic laughter. Um, for me, the scariest part, the scariest scene with the Riddler is at the end, when Batman watches the video that he's released, that, that he's password protected and only released to his his, uh, his followers, where there's no more artifice, where the, 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 the character he's playing drops away, and you just hear Edward Nashton talking about the mass murder he's organizing. And it's very calm, and it's very deliberate, and it's and it's it's the banality of evil. It is completely and totally uh, um, not emotionless, um, but he may as well be talking about going grocery shopping or thanking his and and and, and like he he thanks a couple of his followers for advice on detonators. Like if you swapped out um, if he was building a cabinet and you swapped out detonators for wood screws. It would work just as well. It, 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 it functions just as well on the scene because for him, this is just a simple, you know, it's a task. It's something that we're going to do together. We've all organized and it's all gonna come together and that's great. Um, I was talking to a buddy of mine last night and he hasn't seen the movie and he was, he was asking me about it and, and I was trying to, to be as, as spoiler free as possible. But he said that he was really excited to watch this movie where the Riddler has taken on so much of, uh, where, Matt, where Matt Reeves has, has put so much of the Zodiac Killer in the Riddler, because serial killers are so much a not necessarily an American invention, but uh, you know, if you want something done right, uh, we're the ones to do it. Um, <laughs> USA, <laughs> USA. <laughs> and, and what I what I couldn't share with him was just how accurate that was but in a secondary idea because no one does mass shootings like americans do no one does mass shootings like straight white men do um and that for me that whole sequence is um the moment where we step away from the sort of hyper reality where we've been in um, because like Matt Reeves and everybody else on the set can say as much as they want all day that's grounded in reality. A bomb goes off in, in Bruce's face and he doesn't have a scratch on him. Like, come on. It's not supposed to be real. Um, but so there was that and there's one other thing and it's um, I am blanking on what her screen name is, uh, but there's a woman on TikTok who was giving a review of the movie 
and she pointed out the um, the carpet tucker and the initial yeah. moment that uh, that Bruce finds it, that Batman finds it and he hands it over and, there, and somebody goes, well, what the hell is that? And he says, it's a murder weapon. And then later on, it's Martinez who says that it's a carpet tucker. It's for, it's for, you know, it's for installing carpets. And instantaneously, Batman's like, fuck. This does have a greater significance. That weapon, specifically the use of that, carries so much weight and so much symbolism. It is a workman's tool that a bunch of rich white dudes would have no clue what uh, it was. Wow, yes. dude. And yeah, and it's and it's Good exemplified <laughs> in in Batman being like, "Fuck, I didn't know what that was." Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's another. It's a, it's one of one of several moments where he keeps where he has to go. Okay, I am not doing the job I thought I was. I need to work harder, and part of that needs to be um, uh, being like boots on the ground as a person. Um, the other thing is there's there's. It's the three times that Bruce that well that that he goes to the Iceberg Lounge. The first time he goes as Batman and he punches his way in, and he he is going through a a a, 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 a gauntlet of of people that he has to kick ass <laughs> in order to get past. The second time he shows up as Bruce Wayne and he is instantly led in to see Carmine Falcone. Yeah, and it was the same dialogue too. And it's the same dialogue. The camera yep. positioning is the same. He the says, whole you sequence know who is I am. the same way. <laughs> yeah. And then the third time, he shows up as the combination. He's Bruce Wayne as Batman outside of the costume, and he just sneaks in. And that is when he's most that is when he's most successful to do what he wants to do. No one sees him. No one knows he's even there aside from the one security guard that is now locked outside. Yeah. There's so many layers to this movie. It is so well fucking executed, and I was it, so happy with it. It really Ooh. is. Yeah. Um, we've both talked about it. We've both mentioned it, but we haven't actually come out and said exactly what it is, the thing that bugged us. And I want to talk about some of these things, these things that, that kind of bothered us about the movie. And again, too, these are so minute. These are so granular. Like, it's like I, it was so easy to just, like, brush aside. But, like, did they really have to include somebody that's the Joker at the end of this? Boo! I... <sighs> was it necessary? Like... Not in the slightest. I, I, don't, I didn't no. think so either. And like, especially too, like the way that they did it too, where it was like, um, I'm trying to like figure out like how to describe how they did it. So like, first off, they hid the actor. They were like, oh, he's going to be a police officer. And you're just like, okay, cool. Why are we telling, why are you telling me this? Who gives a shit? Unless he's going to have a greater part in the movie. And then he doesn't show up at all. And then he does at the very end. And he's not even a police officer. Like it. Is that a byproduct of the fact that, like, people just lose their shit when it comes to anything Joker? Yeah. I, I, I wish there was some sort of more complicated, more involved answer. But the short version is like, yeah, nerds like the Joker. That's it. It's, it's, which is hysterical because he is the most boring Batman villain, bar none. Yeah. The least interesting. Uh, all, he ser- all he serves uh, uh, as is 
a violent counterpoint. That's it. And at, at, at least, at least in the way that we have had him portrayed uh, for the last like ten to fifteen years, um, maybe and, and and maybe longer. I would love nothing more than to have the Joker show up and seem really fucking frightening and really fucking scary, but all he's doing is putting, he's like throwing pies in faces. Like that's Yeah, it. You, you talked about yeah. that the other day and that would be absolutely hilarious. Like, it, like, yeah. like Batman hops in the Batmobile and there's a whoopee cushion on his seat. Not like, you know, it's not filled with poison gas. It's not, uh, which is also, would also be funny. Um, it's not- uh, uh, gas, yeah, that is, yeah. Yeah, there's not like a needle in it. It's just, it's the fart noise. I was gonna, I was gonna say. I mean, you're you're absolutely right, and it reminds me because I've been seeing this meme go around uh, lately. That's like, growing up, uh, growing up is you know when you're a kid you idolize Batman, but you know you get older and then you understand you simp you empathize with the Joker. Uh, no. <laughs> uh... I, I empathize. <laughs> I empathize with the psychopath. Yeah, no, can't say that I've had that. Like, because you, because you know, people like with Heath Ledger's portrayal, like people just like cherry pick quotes, you know, and they're just like, oh yeah, no, he had a point when he said these things. He's 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 a hundred percent right. And additionally, too, they've also done this thing, and it really irks me. They've created this like backstory for that particular Joker, the Heath Ledger Joker. They're like, oh, with all of his experience with explosives and his experience with this and his ability to make plans and stuff like that. Oh, he's definitely like a a veteran. He's a veteran who has PTSD. And like, no, uh, -uh. no, he does not. Because that is not part of the character and that has not been described. You are literally projecting this onto him. And that's not- head cannon. Exactly. That's fine. I'm glad that you you, you really thought about a story. That's great. Yes. But- it's that. It's headcanon. It's nothing else. That's exactly what it is. And it's it's one of the, the big issues I have with uh, with like nerd speculation and uh, and to some degree fan fiction and it, people get wrapped up in these ideas that they've come up with and then when the characters don't conform to those ideas, they get angry. <clears throat> and... Yeah, Luke Skywalker yes. in Last Jedi. Yep. You know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, Luke would never do that. First and foremost, this Luke is 30 years older than the last time you saw him. So maybe Return of the Jedi Luke wouldn't have done this, but this Luke definitely did. Um, but yeah, I, I... Yeah, the whole thing with, with Ledger's Joker and, you know... It can be fun to explore those ideas, but you have to understand that, like, that's just your perspective on what it could be. And the second people start going, you know, breaking away from what what it could be and what they think it might be and installing that as like, well, that's what it is. I mean, like, that's how you get Rebecca Sugar getting death threats when Steven Universe didn't go the way people thought they would. Like... What? Yeah, yeah. Well, because it's also what <laughs> yeah. what the fans want it to be, yeah. which isn't necessarily yeah. what the creators or the producers intended. 
You know, mm-hmm. um, yeah. One thing I want to throw in because, uh, and you know, sorry for that little. Bit. You know, I was I was trying to pull this up on another device and it wouldn't <laughs> let me, and oh, so I had no. to pull it up on my phone and I didn't have my phone muted. And see, but it was Variety because I had seen a I had seen a piece last week where uh, Matt Reeves was talking about that scene with the Riddler and the Joker uh, towards you know, well after Riddler is caught, and apparently. There is another scene, because honestly, at two hours and 55 minutes, I had to really wonder what the director's cut of this movie was like. <laughs> it's it going to be a heck of a thing. The, the original yeah. cut of this movie was four hours. There oh, you go. Shit. You know, so one of these days. Good gracious. But um, Whatever, apparently, yeah, well, I, I would too now, but I'd like to do it at home as opposed yeah. to sitting in a theater, you know, especially if they nice. don't do uh, intermissions any longer. But um, where I was going with all of this is there's another scene with the Joker earlier in the movie that got cut where um, – because apparently Batman already caught the Joker. And so – but he's trying to profile the Riddler, and so he goes to see the Joker to get some help, <laughs> apparently. And uh, it's a fairly long scene, but ultimately what the Joker – essentially what the Joker tells him is, why are you asking me? You guys are virtually alike, you know? And um, – that's going to be a very interesting scene uh, if they ultimately put it back. But apparently Matt Reeves had some concerns even about this scene with the Joker because he was saying that, uh, you know, this isn't a um, this isn't an Easter egg. This isn't anything that is foreshadowing like the next movie. He has no intention of putting the Joker in as the villain for the next movie may not even go back to the Joker at all. Um, good. <laughs> yeah, but apparently the movie tested better with audiences with this scene in than it did with it out, which is why he put it back. Yeah. So, um, but I was fascinated by all that, particularly with the scene that they cut, because you know that idea that he's and and this kind of goes to what um, you know Rambo then you know brilliant observation by James Rambo I might point out in terms of the uh, that that carpet tool and uh, you know Batman's unfamiliarity with it but you know the issue that he's having this difficulty profiling this guy and that he's even willing to go you know sneak into Arkham and you know talk to another sociopath in an effort to get some insight that he can use I just thought it was fascinating yeah, um, we got we got a few more minutes here, guys, and we'll we'll go ahead and wrap up. Um, I there was nothing about this movie that I, uh, I I said it on social media. This was the best depiction of Batman I've seen on screen, like uh, on the big screen. Um, I still my benchmark for all Batman things is Batman the animated series. I feel like that's the best depiction we've seen of him in moving pictures. Um, that's just my opinion on that one. But this is the best big screen depiction we've seen of, of, of Batman. One of the things I loved, absolutely loved, is that they had him on the ground helping people. He wasn't, in movies past, it was fight the big villain, cause all sorts of collateral damage, Dup, time to go back to the Batcave and celebrate. And that was pretty much it. But this time he was there, like helping people in Gotham Square Garden. I mean, it was Madison Square Garden, but it was Gotham Square Garden. Uh, and Gotham Square Garden, he's there. He's helping people. He's pulling that scaffolding off to make sure that those people get saved. He's there carrying people. And somebody said, and like, first off, whoever said this, fuck you. But like, they were like, well, Batman's not a firefighter. 
No, he's not, okay? But at the same time, he's there to help. He's there to, to save his city. He says mm -hmm. that, like, how many times does he say that in that movie? Like, I'm not making a difference. I'm not making an impact. I'm not helping. Things are getting worse. But there he is. He's making an impact himself. He is starting to understand that that's how you have to make an impact, is it has to be on a small level. It's not always going to be the big, well, all crime is gone, because that's not going to happen. But, like, you can make a difference on a small scale level. And, like, f fucking brilliant message in that. Like, like you said, Rambo, there were so many little things about this movie that made it great. Um, the fact that people were shitting on Robert Pattinson, they were like, oh, the Twilight guy. Let me tell you why those two things are completely different and don't matter. His performance in Twilight doesn't matter because if you watch his interviews, he hated that fucking movie. He hated that movie. He hated the writer. He hated the script. It was a paycheck for him, but he's an actor, and that's what he's there for. But watch the interviews with him and Paul Dano and Zoe Kravitz. That motherfucker loves Batman. Did you see how excited he got when they talked about Quarter Owls in the interviews? Dude, I... Mm. He was, him, and, he, him and Dano both. They were both, like, giggling. It was, like... It was awesome. Like, this is the kind of person I want playing Batman. I want somebody who's invested in this character. I want somebody who's like going to be like him and, and have this level of commitment to it. But also too, like we're going to see some nuance with this. We're going to see some different things. Like I got a feeling the next time we see him, his like cool, like, you know, sad boy, Batman emo haircut that he had, it's going to be slicked back when he's Bruce Wayne. He's going to be charming and debonair and like, hey, I'm Bruce Wayne. Nice to see you. All right. Hey, let's go to a party. Hey, I want to buy this hotel because I'm fucking Bruce Wayne. Like, we're going to see that because like you said, that's character depth. That's change. That's like evolution. And, like, that's exactly what needs to happen. And if any actor can pull it off, I think it's this dude, man. And, like, if they keep making it so that, like, the supporting cast is, like, that much better. Because, ultimately, Robert Pattinson did a, Robert Pattinson did a fantastic job. But the rest of those actors really kind of carried that movie. That's what you need. You need your main actor to basically just be solid enough and let all of the supporting cast be the ones that are, like, holy shit. Like Reeves knew exactly what he was doing and picking the, or and having this set up the way that it was. I I also want to point out the last Twilight movie, the very last one, came out in 2012. It's been 10 years. Robert Pattinson, including the Batman, has had 20 other roles. It's time to move past it. It's time to be done. And I know that they won't be. I know that we'll keep hearing about this shit until he's dead. Um, because the same thing happened when Affleck was cast as, as Batman. Like, the Daredevil guy? Um, but just, just let it go. Just let it go. It's, it's, it was, it was like, you know, the, the bandwagon was fun to be on when, you know, back in 2010. Uh, when, you know, like, oh, Twilight sucks. Shut up. Just shut the fuck <laughs> up. Um, but uh, there's, there's, yeah, there's, there's, so, there's like so much parallel storytelling, and there's so many little, uh, little details that that they didn't have to include. Like I saw someone pitch the idea that the reason Selena wears her nails the way she does is because her mom used to do the same thing, and I was like, oh, that's cute. 
and something I didn't notice on a first viewing because I was I was really pleased with this 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 little like this little nerd thing where you know when Falcone is strangling her, which also I didn't quite pick up on the fact that he is a serial murderer and that that is how he kills women because he does it to three women in this movie. We know he did it to to Selena's mom. We know he did it to Anika, and he tries to do it to Selena. Um, but when he's doing that, Selena reaches up and she scratches his face. I was like, ah, like in Long Halloween, that's great. What I didn't notice is he already had scars like that, hmm. which oh, implies shit. that someone already did that to him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, which, shit. which like makes the the idea of Selena's mom uh, with the nails like kind of plausible. Um. But, uh, like, one of my favorite little details that is never acknowledged or talked about because there's no reason to do it is the cobblestone streets in Gotham Square. That ages that city and sets it in a very particular time. And it's it's such a great little detail. Um, I love the fact that the first victim that Batman saves is scared of him. And the last victim Batman saves won't let him go. That's fucking good storytelling. Yeah. Um, the fact that like the last thing one of the Riddler goons says is I'm vengeance. The look on Batman's face. Like, <laughs> fuck, this is what I'm inspiring. Mm-hmm. Nope. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, 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 no. Well, and that's... Yeah, and I was going to say, that's key to this whole notion of him as proto-Batman in this movie. Mm-hmm. And, you know, personally, what I would like to see is, again, the evolution of the character, where we take this uh, vengeance, you know, this dark knight, and we transform him into a crusader, a caped crusader. And, you know, because that, that's where this character is going. And, you know, anybody who's read any of the early Batmans, you know, going on from Detective 27, this was a dark character, death to Dr. Death and such, you know? I mean, this it, he, he did not begin to change until the introduction of Robin the Boy Wonder, which coincidentally was 82 years ago this past week that hey. uh, that Detective Comics issue that introduced Robin, you know, Dick Grayson as Robin the Boy Wonder, uh, was published. But with the addition of Robin it softened him a little bit. You know, he's got this kid running around with him. He can't be quite as cutthroat as he had been. He's got to temper what he's doing. And the the notion of him being an inspiration and what it is that he has sort of wrought on Gotham City, you know, because I, I just like you were saying how one of the Hitler's uh, – listen to me, Hitler's – one of the Riddler's um, – uh, <laughs> Yeah, the, the Riddler youth. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, um, you know, it was I am vengeance, and the idea that this is what he was inspiring, you know, because um, you know, it, 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 oh shoot, there was there was something else about that crap, and I lost the thread when when I, I, I misspoke there, but um, you know, because he recognized what it was that he was doing, and he realized that he needed to do something else. But there was another example of that. Oh no, when he's talking to the Riddler. 
when he's talking to the Riddler, and 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 the Riddler's like, you know, yes, he's talking we're the, to them like, yes. like they're Thank you, thank you. That's exactly what it was. And Riddler was disappointed. <laughs> you know, it's Dude, like, oh wait, you're you're scene, not what I thought. <laughs> that scene when the Riddler like loses his shit. Because he realized when Batman's like, like, fuck you, dude. We're not the same. What the hell? And the Riddler's like, no, no. Like, that was incredible. That was so well acted. Like, he was so unnerving because he was so convinced that him and Batman were going to, like, be BFFs. Mm-hmm. We it, were going to be safe here and we could watch the whole thing happen. Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that was that was some shit, dude. Like, that was so well acted. That was so, oh, man. And they, again, they made these characters that used to be goofballs, serial killers. And that is, again, like through a certain lens, you know, like all of these characters, like they took these same elements that you've always seen with these characters and they took them and they made them fucking frightening. And like, yeah. The, I, I really love uh, the realization uh, of the Riddler that, I mean, and he, he even says it out loud. He's like, oh, you're not as smart as I gave you credit for. <laughs> um, because the Riddler is a hard character to write because in order to do it, you need to write a character that is smarter than everyone else in the room up to and including Batman. Like, Batman has to work extra hard in order to figure out what's going on. Um, and to... To, to really execute that properly uh, is is a very impressive feat. Um, yeah. Oh, God. Yeah. So yeah. good. Yeah, it really was. MC, any parting thoughts before we uh, go ahead and move on to our next episode? I mean, I feel bad. I kind of missed most of the, the conversation because I was gone for a bit. Um, I think you guys pretty much uh, nailed anything. I guess my, my one parting question before we before we get out of here is uh, with this with this franchise being you know completely isolated from the DCEU and I do hope it stays that way um, what are you guys hoping to see with like the sequel is there any particular villain any particular arc they they you know can can dive into maybe one where we see that transformation of him having to grow into this or grow this Bruce Wayne persona uh, is there anything you guys would like to see? I want to um, I want to point out something real quick too that I really enjoyed, um, and we talked about this. Um, actually, no, I don't think we touched on it. Uh, oh no, um, Yuli, you did when you talked about the corruption. Um, I liked that this movie had a lot of parallels to what's going on in the real world. You know, it talked about like rich white people and white privilege. Um, it talked about. Um, corruption. It talked about how the rich get to do whatever they want. And like, I like these aspects of, of social injustice popping up in these movies because ultimately like that's what been a running theme through Batman for decades, you know, almost a century now. Um, additionally though, like we, we had talked about this, like having a Batman or the Batman two, where they find a way to make Mr. Freeze show up. Because you could do a Mr. Freeze story, and Rambo, I think you would come up with this, and we kind of like elaborated on it together. And MC, you, we were all chit-chatting about this, that like you could do that all about the healthcare system. Like, what made the Riddler a villain? It was corporate greed. It was us not giving a fuck about orphans and like about like the the children left behind, essentially. But like, you do 
a Mr. Freeze story where Nora dies because he basically is saddled in hundreds of thousands of dollars in debt because of one corruption, two, because of our shitty healthcare system. Not only that, too, I just thought of this one, too, because I've been watching the animated series again. A Clayface movie. We've never seen Clayface on the big screen. But you do a Clayface one, and you talk about, basically, about social media, about the whole, like, I don't know if this has ever happened to you guys, but this whole deep fake technology has not been used nefariously as far as we know. But just imagine Clayface being more than just that. Just a, I'm a shapeshifter. But, like, a technological aspect to that, where he can make it seem like people are saying and doing whatever he wants them to do to achieve his goals. Like that's another aspect of this that really could be done. And Reeves has done an excellent job in this first one of showing that he can take social justice issues and make them into a superhero movie. So like that, I love that the sky is the limit with this sort of thing. With the deep fake thing, you don't think Hush would be a better addition than, than Clayface? I mean, Hush would be great for it. I was, I literally just finished watching the Clayface episodes though. So I'm like, <laughs> that's why, like, I just watched those the other day and I was like, ah, oh, man, I love these episodes. These are so good. No, Hush would be good for that too. Yeah. I mean, shit. You oh, yeah. From there. Yeah. Cause we really haven't, I mean, we had the animated film. He sort of, Hush sort of made an appearance in the first season of, of Batwoman. Uh, we don't need to talk about that though. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I think I think that'd be cool. Um, yeah, no, I, I mean I don't really have anything much else to add. You guys kind of kind of covered everything. I love the movie. I'm gonna definitely gonna watch it again. Um, I don't really know who I'd want to see in a in a sequel. If there are it, or even on the hero side, uh, you know, any anyone else I would like to see him if maybe uh, get, come across. If we don't get a dark, gritty crime drama version of Condiment King, I'm gonna be pissed. <laughs> I think you're going to be pissed. He is his favorite. That is his favorite villain. Economy King. Economy King. <laughs> How fantastic would that be to have? Like, there's got to be a dark, gritty way you could do Condiment King. Like, fuck, how would you do it? Well, I mean, like. The mayonnaise is spoiled. You... <laughs> <laughs> I feel like you, you, you have him be like. This is your evidence that Batman is fully established in Gotham. Like you could you could do like a cold open of a movie with Condiment King or somebody like that, where like Batman has to cut like what where one where what before might have been kind of a problem, he shows up and just incredibly deftly handles this guy, and the whole time is just like I really is this what we're doing condiments? I okay. <laughs> <laughs> or like you know he 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 doesn't quite grok what's going on and so like you know this guy pulls out this pistol that's attached to this fucking like you know weird sci-fi looking <laughs> backpack and he shoots at somebody and Batman takes the hit and it's just fucking ketchup. <laughs> He's like, what? are you kidding me? <laughs> hey, it's it's all a big joke up until it, you're you could damn drown in a vat of ketchup, you know. Is, it's like, <laughs> I mean, hey, hey, the uh, uh, the Great Molasses Flood of what 1918? Uh, exactly. In Boston, yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm sure yeah. there were people laughing until they got caught in it. It's like, mm -hmm. oh crap. It's ah, real funny because Fuck you can't molasses is coming molasses. down this street. It's gonna it's gonna ruin my car. We're yeah. gonna park after this. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I, I am, I'm, 
There are two villains that I really want to see, one of which we have not seen in live action. I really want a uh, Mr. Freeze movie. Um, you know, yeah, like Mike said, we, we've talked about it before in terms of what you could do with uh, with um, healthcare and, and corporate greed. Um, but I want I want Clayface. I want Clayface so bad. Um, you could do some really weird, creepy horror movie stuff with Clayface. Um, but uh, uh, my buddy Elvin pointed out, he's like, the city's flooded. That means the sewers are flooded. That opens the door oh, wide yeah. for Croc. Mm. Like a killer croc, you know. I don't know if you can do an entire movie around Killer Croc, but you can certainly have him there. Um, some really dope uh, horror elements with Killer Croc for sure. And you, you know, could, you could do a whole movie with him. I mean, it's a way to introduce Bullock too. I mean, I'm reminded of that Batman the Animated Series episode with Killer Croc. Which I mean, which one? But there's 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 several. Oh, the first one. You know I'm where honestly, he was framing Bullock. You remember that one? No, I don't remember that. Oh man, let me tell you something. You got I mean, <laughs> there's a scene because Batman goes into the sewers after him, you know, and there is a scene. I mean, this is it's some really beautiful storytelling. But Croc comes splashing out of the water and roaring, and I'm—I mean, you know, I'm watching this. I'm like, whoa! <laughs> so, I mean, you know, you're kind of like. <laughs> kind of scary just even doing that stuff it's like oh man and uh, you know this is uh, you know because early on i mean uh, bullock was still against batman and yeah. batman saved his ass in this episode i mean because croc had done a very effective job at framing bullock and uh, you know and batman cleared him you know yes. and you know to where bullock's like not a bad piece of work, if I do say so myself. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I because mean, I, I like so much of, of Killer Croc. I think of him, and I think of you know, almost got him. You know, <laughs> I threw a rock at him. It was a big rock. It was a big rock. <laughs> and then he, he ducked and he kicked me in the face. But I was yeah. not. <laughs> yeah, like I mean, you know, uh. Two Face could be Two Face would fit perfectly in this world. Uh, you know, you could do some really interesting stuff with Poison Ivy. Um, you could revisit Bane. Like, there's all these options. But honestly, I, I would rather them stick with more sort of the classic Rose Gallery. Um, just and and like you know, I don't need every one of them to be a serial killer. I don't need every one of them to be you know some horrible murderer. But like, you can. You can, you know, uh, rough them up a little bit, darken them up a little bit. I Oh, that's what I was going to say. When, uh, Yuli, when you were talking about uh, Robin coming in, mm -hmm. there's a great scene in um, Darwin Cook's New Frontier. And it is, it's, it's, the, it's the transition from the Golden Age to the Silver Age. And Superman sees uh, Batman's new costume. And he's like, oh, you, you, you know, change your outfit. And he says, and it's a callback to something that happens earlier in the story, where Batman is going to to rescue, um, like the you know like a, the mayor's kid or somebody, uh, and the and the child sees him and is terrified of him, um, and Batman says, yeah, I got into this to help people, not to scare children. Mm -hmm. Um, like I mean, you know, not a villain by any stretch of the imagination, but I really want Robin. I really want a Robin story. Um, 
it, it's hard to pull off, but I feel like, you know, a competent director, a competent writer could do it. Um, and, and, and like in the second time I saw the movie, uh, uh, I, I heard, you know, the guys next to me when they were showing the mayor's kid, like, oh, there's your Robin. And I'm like, but he's not a flying Grayson. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, been to the circus. I mean, honestly, yeah, like the dude, shit. There you go. Flying Graysons open up the door for the circus, opens up the door for the freak show. There's your killer croc. Yeah. And you can do a Tony Zuko thing where, you know, Dick is just determined to go and hunt this guy down. And you have Bruce breaking down like this is what this is what revenge can do to you. Uh, and, you know, I had this whole thing worked out years back um, when uh, uh, when Nolan before Nolan did Dark Knight about how you could bring in Robin. And basically you have Robin kind of act as like a mirror to Bruce. But you could have scenes with him talking to Dick where he's basically talking to himself as a child and vice versa. Um, oh, yeah, that would be good. But yeah, I, I, I'm just really excited to see what he does with the rest of it. It's, oh, that was the other thing I wanted to let you all know. The, um, the Rata Alada website. Yeah. So that countdown has been going on. It yeah. has hit oh, 100. Oh, that's right. It has that's hit 100%. If you go, I won't tell you what it is, but if you go, you get a new message and you get a little button that says click for reward. It will automatically download something to your computer. It is it is just images and a PDF. But it is worth going to check out. Ooh. <laughs> uh, well, there you go. Let's not spoil that. Yeah. Um. Yuli, who did you want to see? Are there any villains that you really want to see? MC, same thing. And then we'll uh, we'll wrap up and we'll go into uh, our favorite non-superhero comic book uh, adaptations. Um, you know, I I would like to see them go in a direction that they haven't before. I mean, you know, we've sort of gotten mired with uh, some of the more recognizable Batman villains. I think that. I mean, as much as I'd like to see the Court of Owls, I feel like it's a little early for them. But, you know, I mean, I guess part of it depends on how long Matt Reeves actually sticks with this thing. But I'm with you in terms of Clayface. I've actually heard that there's uh, Matt Reeves have, has some interest in uh, in doing Mr. Freeze. Um, so that wouldn't be bad. But, you know, Batman has a pretty robust rogues gallery and it makes it. Uh, a lot more difficult because so many of these folks are really interesting, compelling kinds of characters, especially depending on the slant that you take in terms of how you present them. So, uh, th yeah, let's let, let, let's see what he does. I mean, I, I'm kind of with uh, you guys. I don't necessarily want to see the Joker again, um, even though you know, I, I really think the Joker is one of the more interesting villains Batman has. But, um, you know, part of that is you got to go back to the original conception of him. And I was never I mean, I, I wasn't a fan of this Joker movie uh, with Joaquin Phoenix, uh, nor did I particularly care for the uh, Heath Ledger version, even though I understand that was based on um, what is it? Uh, Gotham Knights, I think. So and I hadn't realized there was a basis for that, but. 
Yeah, you know, somebody who we're maybe a little less familiar with or who hasn't gotten as much screen time on television or uh, in, in the movies. And, you know, there's so many from whom you can pick. So, hey, you know, to surprise me. Oh, uh, MC, close us out, man. What do you got? So I don't know if, I, if, I, if they can do it for a sequel, but he was, uh, I only got introduced to him via the Arkham games. And like, when I think about it, I think he's someone that they could uh, do something with. And that's Azrael. Maybe not, maybe not in the sequel, but in a you know third, perhaps maybe in a fourth adaptation, where you could do this whole thing of like you know this dude or you know the um, what is it the change the change Church of Saint Dumas, uh, you know really inspired by Batman. They they do the whole Azrael thing and set him loose to try to be an ally, but he's not really. He's not really he's kind of taking on the the worst aspects of the message, kind of like um, when we were talking earlier about you know, that Riddler dude saying, you know, I'm vengeance. Uh, like taking that, but doing like taking to a more extreme, uh, a more extreme level. I think that could be pretty cool. A coterie of supervillains. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. He has a coterie of supervillains. Um, I think Azrael would be a great choice for a third movie when you have uh, a fully established, fully developed you know, I have my shit on lock kind of Batman who sees what the sort of like dark mirror looks like in terms of this is what your, if you hadn't had your, your realization moments, this is what someone who is dedicated to violent vengeance and a, a mission like this can become. Yeah. And, and you could eat, and you could even do this sort of thing where Bruce is like, Okay, well, you know, maybe I maybe I need to think about, you know, not doing this. And then, you know, he and that can be how Azrael, you know, kind of gets uh, gets roped in. He 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 sees that and he's like, oh no 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 no, I okay no I can't, I can't stop doing the Batman thing now. Mm-hmm. And honestly, with with a with a a final movie, uh, or like assuming you know, if we're gonna stop at a trilogy, a. Uh, an appearance by Ra's al Ghul is never a bad idea. But, but for that, you gotta have a, an, an established Batman character. That's one yeah. you have to have. Like you know, he's he's been there consistently. Because otherwise, yeah. this is an early in the career thing. Yeah. 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 <laughs> because frankly, <laughs> that doesn't go well for him if he takes no. on a guy like that early <laughs> in his career. <laughs> Yeah, no more Batman. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, I mean, if this thing, I mean, it, it looks like it's going to be the hottest thing going. And, you know, from what I've seen, uh, it, it is, I mean, it's it's obviously going to, you know, rule the roost, so to speak, at the, uh, um, in the box office again this week. And so, uh, you know, we just got to see how much money they can make with this stuff. Um, and, but Matt Reeves, I don't know. I mean, I, I guess... How long do you stick with a character before you're tired of it? I mean, you know, you do. I don't know. Maybe three movies is you know where people peter out. But um, three movies and two spinoff series. That's true. Yeah. 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 I mean, that paycheck's got to be pretty nice. 
Well, you know, but Matt Reeves is no kid either. I mean, yeah. you know, so it's, I mean, I, and I hadn't realized, I, because I thought he was kind of younger than he was. And then I'm like, oh, wait, yeah, you apparently have been around here. So, um, and, and artistic, artistic integrity being what it is, you know, maybe some people, I mean, you know, it's, you're not, you know, like a, a money whore. I mean, like, uh, like myself, I always say, geez, if anybody's ever stupid enough to cast me, on like a network series, I'm never leaving that motherfucker. It's like, you know, <laughs> you know like uh, supernatural. Yeah. Oh fuck yeah! It's like as long as that thing is on TV, I'm gonna be there getting a check. Fuck that! Oh, I want to do that. I'm tired of this role. Fuck that! What is it? Fuck. Yeah, they still write the checks. I'm gonna take them. Season nine of The Flash. <laughs> <laughs> Oh yeah, Grant Gustin is still there, you know. Cashing them checks, man. Two hundred thousand an episode. Only got to be in fifteen episodes. I mean... Good money if you can get it. <laughs> I, I think I think Grant will be okay. Basically, is what you're saying. Um, we'll go ahead and call this an episode, uh, folks. And by folks, I mean uh, my panelists today. Uh, let me thank you, MC. As always, appreciate all of your input, Mr. Rambo as well, Mr. Campbell. Thank you. And as we always do when you're on, let's make sure we plug Fantastic Forum. You guys can check it out um, today at 4 o'clock on WERA. Uh, you can check the podcast out on The Great Geek Refuge. It is titled The Fantastic Forum Podcast. So you guys can look that up and subscribe. Please do. It's on any of your streaming services. But, Yuli, thank you for joining us. Uh, we'll be back with another episode. Uh, make sure you tune in. We're going to be talking about our favorite non-superhero uh, comic book adaptations uh, as far as TV and movies is concerned. So for all of us here at the Greek Refuge, we love you, we appreciate you, and remember, together, there are no heights that we can't reach. Thank you for listening to GGR Pirate Radio. Make sure you check out our website, greatgeekrefuge.com, for all of our awesome articles and wonderful podcasts. This has been a Pirate Radio Network production, Juice Bags. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, boy!